0: You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30.
1: So He is really seeing the floor well as Booker on the drive inside. Gets the finish and the foul. Uh, He brought that out of the hand. One catalog right there. Jones Jr., the right he was doing the
0: it's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. Devin Booker with a terrific season. Unfortunately, we weren't able to see him over the weekend. It's Joe Ostrowski and Preston Johnson at BetQL Daily today on the BetQL Audio Audio Network, thank you for listening live on radio.com, watching us on the radio.com sports YouTube stream, or just checking us out on the podcast by subscribing to BetQL Daily. Uh, we bring into the show now Preston, a former Celtics and Sons executive. He's now a radio.com sports insider. He hosts the radio.com NBA show. His name is Ryan McDonough at McD NBA. We always appreciate uh, Ryan's time. And Ryan, you really hit on it last week when we were looking. Uh, ahead to All-Star Weekend, and, and you mentioned how the three-point competition is really the marquee event, and, and it was the highlight of, uh, we can't say the weekend for this year, we can only say on Sunday. So did, did you find Sunday overall uh, more enjoyable or more
1: painful? Well, good morning, guys. Always great to be on with with you two. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was, you know, the right thing to do, having everything on one day. Um, it was less drawn out uh, in the dunk contest in particular. I didn't think the contest was great, but I loved how compact and condensed it was. Uh, as you guys know, in years past guys have missed you know, five or 10 or more dunks and it just seems to take forever. So I think with the new format, new rules, uh, the players were clearly told to get in and out uh, and it was condensed. So I, I, I like that aspect of it. And then uh, in the three point contest, I, I love seeing the best shooters. And, and I think that's the biggest change for me, guys, Uh, As you know, back in the day when it was uh, Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins and a lot of the superstars participating in the All-Star Weekend events, they participated in the dunk contest. Uh, Now the top players do not want to do that. Obviously, you could tell by the field uh, with Anthony Mm -hmm. Simons, Cassius Stanley, and Obi Toppin. Those guys certainly aren't household names. So the uh, the NBA three-point shootout, uh, the three-point contest has become the marquee event. And I think it's fitting that the best three-point shooter, not only in the game today, but my opinion in NBA history, Won the three-point contest this year. Obviously, that's Golden State, Steph Curry.
0: Yeah, and uh, it, it was. Uh, it felt a little dicey too. We can't forget the news that was happening earlier on in the day. Um, boy, when, when you get word, okay, we, we have Embiid out and Simmons out, uh, you're you're thinking worst case scenario. Oh, this is exactly what we we're worried about. Sending the best players in the world in the world uh, all to one city.
1: Certainly was concerning, Joe. I I think the NBA did it the right way, though. I mean, I I was impressed to hear that those guys both coming from Philadelphia flew separately on two different private planes. Obviously, there's an expense there, uh, but I think it was the right move. And it seems like the barber they were in contact with who tested positive for COVID, you know, that was in Philly or somewhere outside of Atlanta. Um, So, you know, everybody I talked to said it was a very efficient business-like trip. Uh, You flew in, you're supposed to arrive and be checked into the— hotel uh, prior to 7 p.m. local time on Saturday night. Uh, You didn't leave the hotel. I'm sure you guys saw some of of the interviews uh, that the the players and coaches did. Um, They were done by Zoom or Skype, something like that. And then you went and did the events. You played the game and then got out. So Uh, I don't think it's something, obviously, the league wants to do in the future. Uh, The fan engagement is a big part of it with all the different events and festivities. Uh, They have NBA Cares in the community under normal time. So I think the league will get back to that starting next year. Uh, But for this year, I think it was necessary from a business perspective. And other than the one glitch uh, with the two guys from Philly, Embiid and Simmons, uh, being pulled out at the last minute, uh, I think the game and the weekend went relatively well. Ryan, take us uh, behind
0: the scenes a little bit. Now, the second half is going to get going tomorrow. We have two games, Washington against Memphis, San Antonio against Dallas. But uh, over the All-Star break, maybe say uh, we're talking about players that did not participate, did not uh, travel down to Atlanta. Uh, what sort, what's been happening over the past week? Is it all just getaway, no contact, no shoot-arounds at all, and and return to work Wednesday, Thursday? Or how does this work?
1: Yeah, so the teams aren't allowed to practice right now. Um, You know, that's, uh, you know, I think per league rules, that would be very frowned upon if a team tried to have any formal gathering. Uh, Now, what what a lot of teams have done this year, guys, is, uh, you know, due to COVID and due to the fact that the All Star break's not all that long, uh, they've made the gym available to players. So say, look, you know, we're not going to require you guys to come in, we're not going to do anything organized as far as in a team setting, but we are going to have at least one coach or a few coaches and some trainers available. If you guys want to come in and, and get shots up or lift or get treatment, uh, we're here for you. So that's kind of the, um, the short-term plan, the open door policy. Um, but guys, the All-Star weekend uh, goes very quickly. So that, that's basically ending now. As you mentioned, there are uh, four teams, two games tomorrow night, and then the majority of the league uh, comes back and plays on Thursday. Um, so right back into it for the second half, Um, And and I hope everybody in the league, players and coaches in particular, got their rest because the second half of the schedule, uh, especially for the teams like the Washington Wizards, uh, San Antonio Spurs and others who missed time uh, in the first half with with COVID, the Memphis Grizzlies or another, they're going to have a very busy, very condensed schedule in the second half uh, that is going to be brutal from a travel and physical perspective. So I think and hope everybody prepared appropriately for what's coming over the next few months.
0: Hey, Ryan Preston here. I have a question for you. I, as a better, we always hear and we try to analyze a team can flip the switch. And so coming out of this all star break going into the second half. I'm curious your thoughts on you know actually being in the mix for a while. Is that a real thing like come playoff time? Can the Lakers just flip a switch? Can the Clippers just flip a switch? Can teams like Milwaukee in the last few years or, for example, the Jazz this year, are they winning too much too early? Are they peaking too early? Some of these narratives that we try to discuss in media. But when it comes down to it, I'm very analytically driven. I kind of ignore most of them. But I'm curious, like the whole in the NBA flip the switch thing in the playoffs, like that's kind of been a thing now in recent years where teams, whether they be LeBron teams or the Warriors, whatever it may be, they've been able to do it. How or, or why or is that even a thing for you, do you think?
1: Yeah, I've seen it go both ways, Preston. Um, you know, the, the most recent example, uh, just going back to last year, I think, is a negative one with the L.A. Clippers. That's what we heard about the Clippers yeah. um, you know, all year long The Doc Rivers and others. say, Well, you know, we haven't really had a lot of time together. We'll, we'll uh, you know, crank it up once we get to the playoffs. And they, they did get to the playoffs and uh, everything seemed to be going fine. They're up 3-1. In the western conference semifinals looked like they were cruising to the matchup that everybody anticipated in the west finals against the lakers and then they completely fell apart uh, losing three games in a row with a now infamous collapse that led to a lot of changes uh, in la with the clippers with doc rivers being out of a job uh roster changes and yeah a lot of short-term pressure on that organization with Kawhi leonard approaching free agency um so it it hasn't worked at times but it has worked uh, other times Uh, i was with the celtics uh, going back about a decade in 2010 uh, we were about a 500 team through the first, I think, 54 games of the season. We we're like 27 and 27. Uh, the team played a lot better down the stretch and ended up uh, taking the Lakers to Game Seven of the NBA Finals. That LA, led by Kobe Bryant, uh, won that year. So that team certainly flipped the switch. Um, so I, I, I look at the talented teams, guys. That's what it comes down to for me. It, it's not, you know, if you're a, um, you know, mediocre team or above average team, can you play harder? It's just the talent. So I, I'd look at the most talented teams. If you think, um, you know, the Lakers are underperforming, for example. Uh, you know, the, uh, I, I wouldn't put the Brooklyn Nets in that category because they're playing well now. Um, but even a team, you know, like, like going further down the, the uh, Eastern Conference, like the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics, I think with those teams for me, Preston, it's more health than flipping the switch. But if they do get healthy and they play a little better and a little harder, uh, could one of those teams in Boston and Miami, who met in the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago, surge and be back in the conference finals this year. uh, I certainly think that's possible. I have Brooklyn as the favorite in the East, but after that, uh, maybe Philly's ahead of those teams. But I do think there's an opportunity for a team to turn it on the second half of the year and end up playing in the conference finals.
0: This is BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Preston Johnson. Today, our guest is Ryan McDonough at McDNBA on Twitter. He hosts the radio.com nba show uh we've got the trade deadline just 16 days away ryan Uh, what did you think of the news of uh, blake griffin going to those nets this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds
1: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, a little bit unusual, guys, with the buyout. Not that the the player who's uh, struggling and unperforming on a big contract got bought out. Uh, But what was unique about Blake's deal is that he had two years left in his deal—the half of this season and then all of next year. Uh, So Blake was owed about fifty-six and a half million dollars. He reportedly gave back thirteen point three million. That is one of the more significant givebacks in NBA history. Uh, But it's also one of the more significant amounts of money to to, to get paid to not play. He was paid uh, over forty-two million bucks to to not play. Um, So. You know, I, I think it's a, um, it's a luxury for the Nets. So let me put it that way. Um, Brooklyn is the most, uh, by the numbers, uh, they're, they're the best offensive team in NBA history as far as offensive efficiency. Uh, the remarkable part about that, guys, is they've done it uh, still with making an in-season trade for James Harden and having Kevin Durant, uh, their best offensive player, maybe the best offensive player in the league, missed a couple different stints uh, due to COVID and the protocols. Um, so they have enough offense. So for me, it was like found money for Brooklyn. They're obviously doubling down on offense, saying, look, we're just going to try to outscore uh, everybody. Uh, their defense has been a little bit better lately. Uh, they played better going into the all-star break, but they're still ranked 26th in the league, guys, in defensive rating. Uh, a team with a bottom five defensive rating, as far as I can tell, has never won an NBA championship, I don't even think they've been to the finals. So that, that'll that be the challenge for Brooklyn. Uh, and I don't think they're done uh, tinkering with their roster. I wouldn't be surprised if they had another – traditional center, either via trade or more likely in the buyout market. And as we discussed on Radio.com's NBA show yesterday with Dave DeFore, uh they may add some wing defense as well. Uh, the team certainly has enough offensive talent and firepower, but I think to win a championship, they need to get better on the defensive end.
0: Ryan, what do you think happens with Drummond?
1: Well, I, I think um, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to explore trades for Drummond and to a lesser extent, JaVel McGee. They're two veteran centers, uh, they made it clear when they made the trade um, with Brooklyn and Houston involving James Harden and the Indiana Pacers, the four-team deal that um, you know Jared Allen was their guy, that they traded for Jared Allen, even though he's going to be a restricted free agent uh, this offseason. Uh, so they clearly intend to, to pay him or to match an offer sheet. Uh, either way, it seems like he'll be in a Cavaliers uniform for a long time as their starting center. So uh, Drummond's certainly on the trade block. Um, the challenge I have with Drummond, guys, is the contract. He makes just under $30 million a year. He's still in his prime. He's 27 years old, but he wants another big money, long-term deal. And uh, so, if you're if you're an opposing team, I think you're hesitant. I, I know you're hesitant to give up a lot of value for a player like that, knowing that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent and he has um, high hopes. One thing that actually works against you guys, if you trade for a player like Drummond, is you have his full bird rights. And that's important because you're the only team in the league Then that can give them five years, uh, which if you have a superstar like Kawhi Leonard or Giannis or LeBron, that's a good thing. Uh, But for a guy like Andre Grumman, teams don't necessarily want that because they don't want that pressure responsibility to have to put a five-year offer on the table. So my guess is Cleveland will try to, to trade him I don't know if they'll be able to do that. Uh, I think more likely, guys, it ends in a buyout with Drummond going to the contender of his choice. Again, Brooklyn, I think will be at the front of the line, and I imagine the L.A. Lakers will have a lot of interest in Drummond as well.
0: Uh, For good reason, uh, Ryan. We've talked a whole lot about the Utah Jazz, and at the break they have a a two-and-a-half game lead for the best record in the Western Conference. And, And just taking a look as far as win percentage strength of schedule for the second half of the season, easiest schedule, the Utah Jazz. Do you expect them to uh, end up as the number one seed in the West?
1: I do. Yeah, they're, they're rolling right now, guys. Uh, now, they did the, drop their final two games prior to the All-Star break. They had that controversial uh, loss in Philly where um, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell sounded off on the officiating and, and both got fined for it. Uh, but when I look at the Jazz, they're the only team in the league who's in the top five in offensive and defensive efficiency uh, usually to win a championship, you have to be in the top 10 in offense and defense. That's why I mentioned my concerns about the Brooklyn Nets defensively. Well, Utah is fourth in both categories. Uh, so they're good offensively. They're good defensively. They, they, they really shoot the ball well. Um, when you talk about three-point shooting with not only the, the volume, but the efficiency of their shots, guys. And then defensively, they have the best anchor in the game in Rudy Gobert. Uh, so I'm, I'm bullish on the Jazz. i, I said on this show, uh, and you better, you bet, than others that when they were 12 to one uh, for, you know, the championship odds, I thought that was way, way too low. Uh, looking at the lines now, it looks like they moved closer to seven to one. I still think that's pretty good value. Uh, look, the Lakers and Clippers have more star power. Some of the teams in the Eastern Conference do as well. But I love Utah's balance. I love their depth. Uh, I love the way they're coached. They had three all-stars this year uh, with Mike Connolly, And I, I just think it's the right team at the right time. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if they're holding the Larry O'Brien trophy uh, later this year, because I think they play better and look better to me than any team in the league to this point.
0: Ryan, earlier in the show, we were talking about uh, the Dallas Mavericks probably possibly making a move in the second half of the season. When you look at the bottom of the playoff picture in the West, San Antonio, Dallas, the eight right now, Golden State, Memphis, uh, they're hanging right there. Are there any teams that jump that pop out to you that, that you think could start to climb?
1: Well, Dallas has played better lately. They've won three games in a row. As you mentioned, they're, they're up to eighth. Uh, keep in mind for your listeners, it's important to get in the top six this year. That'll be the battle uh, to get in the top six, because if you're in the top six, you're automatically in the final playoff field. If you're seated seventh through 10th, you have to play your way in. Um, so teams are going to try to get to the top six, which in the Western Conference is, is not easy. It uh, looks like we know four of the teams uh, at this point, um, with the two from L.A., Phoenix, and Um, and Utah, you know, those four look like they're pretty solid teams in the top six. Uh, So who gets, you know, the the next two slots? Is it Portland? Is it Denver? Is it, you know, somebody like Dallas or San Antonio who you mentioned? Um, But, but, you know, I I think the pressure, guys, for those teams is uh, they will look to add, they will look to upgrade, but the teams behind them, especially as I look down the standings and see Memphis in 10th and New Orleans in 11th, uh, New Orleans has underperformed, in my opinion, with a young team. Uh, but Memphis, in particular, is intriguing to me. Uh, John Moran, I think, is going to be a superstar. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, who's their second-best player and their best big man, uh, hasn't been healthy. It seems like he'll get back, come back soon. Uh, they just got Justice Winslow back in the lineup recently. Uh, I think he'll play better in the second half than he did in the few games prior to the break. Uh, so keep an eye on uh, those two teams, New Orleans and Memphis, with the Grizzlies in particular.